The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Heavenly Father, we give praise to you. We just want to thank you, Lord, for your presence. We want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We want to thank you, Father, that you are for us, not against us. We want to thank you that you are the lifter of our heads, the lover of our souls. We want to thank you that you are the light of the world. Jesus, you have come to illuminate our lives. You've come to bring light where there is darkness. You've come to bring knowledge where there is confusion. You've come to transform us, to lift us up, to raise us up, to strengthen us. And we want to thank you. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to you. You who are the word of God who speaks through your word, speak into our hearts today. Lord, we come against every form of darkness that would seek to come against our lives, every limitation, every shroud. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We command you lift off. We command you depart from our presence. We desire and we ask for the radiance of our Father to come to this place. Let the magnificence of his glory fill this house. Father, show your name. Show who you are to us. Let our hearts be enlightened again with the knowledge of your presence and your glory. Cause us to gaze upon the majesty which is you. Lord, you are majestic in all of your ways. There's no one like you, no one that compares to you. So, Father, we come before you to say, Lord, let your light shine upon our faces. We remember your servant Moses who went into your presence, Lord, up the mountain. And as he spent time with you, your radiance affected him. So much so that when he came to the ground, everybody around him was stunned by the radiance of his face. Lord, radiate upon our faces today. Let our hearts be lifted. Let our spirits be strengthened, Lord, with the glory of who you are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I thought when we were singing one of those songs, we all know about the sun and how glorious the sun is. And how that you shouldn't really look at the sun, because if you do, you, you start walking away and you've got that burning brightness. And I was just thinking, you're like, who is our God? He is the one who has created the sun. He's the one who's made the sun. He is more powerful than the sun. He is almighty. And you, you, can't, you can't comprehend it. The sun does us good. In fact, the sun is so important for everything that we need in life. And God is greater than that. And he is here with us and here to help us. How is your heart this morning? What are the things that are burning on your heart? What are the issues that you are dealing with? Confusions, all sorts of stuff that comes against us. Sickness issues, financial issues. They come against us. We need to look up to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We need to focus upon him. You know, it's so easy to lose sight. It's so easy to get distracted. One minute there you are gazing and you just got caught with his majesty and you're just being filled with the knowledge of him. And suddenly something hums in and, oh yeah, yeah, I've got to get, and you, you lose it. We want to keep the radiance of his glory over us because it strengthens us, it changes us, it transforms us. 
You know what? His presence isn't just a thing like, oh, I come to church and I, I feel a little bit of the warmth. He wants you to know his glory wherever you are. Because you are a child of the living God. You have been made by him and for him. And he has come to dwell within you. So he wants the radiance of who he is, his light, to fill you. So that as you're interacting with those around you in your world, the people who you know, the people who come into contact with you, it's not just you that they are encountering, but they're encountering him. And so there's a difference. That is who he is, and that is why we have come to worship, because he's worthy of praise. We've come here to acknowledge him. We've come here to lift him up. We've come here to praise him. Hallelujah. So just in case you didn't know why you're here this morning, then that's good to know. Because it's good to know why we've come. Why am I in this place? Oh, yes, I found that out. And we're also here to connect with our second message about connections. Connecting is what it's all about this month, and we're looking at different ways of connecting. If you were here last week, then you would have heard about the, our vital connection, the preeminent connection that we need to make and that obviously is our connection that we make with God because if we don't connect with him then in truth everything else all the other types of connections we can have in our lives they don't really mean anything but with him those things can come into full meaning and can have full understanding so we're talking about our vital connection or last week rather we were talking about our vital connection and this week we're going to take it a little step further we're going to be looking at connecting with discipleship. And in truth, discipleship is a subject which we could talk about actually for a good number of weeks. So if you're thinking like, okay, Jonathan is going to cover every aspect of discipleship this morning, then I'm sorry to disappoint you. Well, that is, unless you want to stay a little bit longer, and then we could actually press in. No, we can't look at everything about discipleship, but I wanted to look a little bit about discipleship this morning and what that is. So first of all, let's just ask a simple question. What is a disciple? Because, of course, we know these words, and we're familiar with these words. I mean, we read them in the Bible, but sometimes we don't stop and think, actually, what is a disciple? So, a disciple, a disciple means a person who is a pupil, who is an adherent, that is a follower, to the doctrines of another. So, when we're talking about Christians, we're talking about people who are followers of Jesus Christ. So, if we put that in simpler language, this is what it means. A disciple is somebody who is learning. Somebody who is a pupil, somebody who is a follower of Jesus Christ, and therefore of all of the things that Jesus himself is teaching and encouraging us to walk in. That is what a disciple is. And we see disciples in the Bible. Obviously, that's where we read them. We see with the first disciples, Jesus came to them and he called them unto himself. In Matthew 4, verses 18 to 20, we can just read this. And you will be reading this actually tomorrow because it's part of the first five chapters of which we'll be reading. We're starting off in Matthew's gospel, five chapters a day. You will get through Matthew's gospel if you follow that and you can go into Mark. By this time next week... You would have been there. So you would have read this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Stop. They were just about their ordinary life. They were just doing that. That's what they were doing when suddenly Jesus breaks in. Do you remember the day that Jesus broke into your life? You might have been fishing. Probably not so many of us actually were fishing at that time. 
There's a point in which Jesus breaks into our lives. And he said to them, verse 19, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, at once they laid down their nets and followed him. And Jesus is in that business still today. There's a day when he comes knocking at the door of our hearts. There's a day when he interacts with us. There's a time when he is dealing with us. And so there's something like, okay, I'm leaving behind those things, and now I'm walking with him. So Jesus calls us today. Our salvation is a work of God. In Scripture, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And there's this element, because often we think, like, well, I became a Christian. What we did was we responded to the work of God approaching us. He has called us. He's chosen us. You know what it's like when you think back at school when you get chosen? I was one of those of the football team that wasn't chosen first. Probably something to do with my goalkeeping prowess, which wasn't. It wasn't prowess. It was rubbish. And so therefore, I tended to be left for the later choices, the also-rans. You, you know, if you were part of that, then just, you know, you, I know how you feel. If you were part of the elite, we want to bless you. And we want to say, it's great to know there's athletes amongst us. We're encouraged with that. Not everybody's in that place. But we were called... God has called us. He has chosen us. He has chosen you. You are special to him. He values you. He has work for you to do. He thinks that you are good and he wants you to have relationship with him. He's chosen you for his elite team, not for the also-rans. He doesn't have an also-ran. Because he's not like, oh, I knew what I was going to do with you lot. Actually, all of us in the middle... God knows exactly the people on the outside. He's, not, he's a bit worried. About it. Quite, he hasn't worked out what he wants to do with them. That's not true at all. Everybody was created by him and for him. Everyone. So therefore, we can all stand up and say, I am a child of the living God, and he has called me, and he has chosen me for purpose. I know that the next question you're asking is like, well, exactly what is that purpose? And I don't have time to go through all of that this morning, but that is one of the reasons why we need to connect with him. Because without connecting to him, then we don't know what his purpose is. But as we connect to him, he unfolds his purpose and gives us life to its fullness. So Jesus, he brings us into salvation. That work is a work of God. He chooses us. He chooses us. We don't choose him, although we do make a response to that calling that he has put upon our lives. But that's that sense of salvation. Wow, I've come into salvation. I've received the work that Jesus wanted to do. I am making a response because I feel unclean and I want to get right with God. That response that we make and what we're doing, that is good, but it doesn't just stop there. There's life for us to live. We're supposed to be following Jesus. And this is what the scriptures say. In 1 John 2 verse 6, it says this, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims, if we're claiming, hey, I'm a Christian, if we're claiming that, then we need to be walking in his ways. We need to be doing the things that he has called us to do. We need to be following him because we are disciples. We are followers of Jesus Christ. So whoever claims to him, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And just in case you thought that was the only scripture that says those things, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15 says this, and he died, that is Jesus, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, 
but for him who died for them and was raised again. So our job, as we respond to that calling that he has given to us, there is a responsibility. It's not just like, oh, I got saved. Thank you very much. There's a responsibility that comes with him because of what a disciple means. A disciple means somebody who's learning, somebody who is a pupil, somebody who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Not somebody who said like, oh yeah, I met him once and that's enough. You understand that? There's a work that's involved. There's a process that's involved. And salvation is just the beginning of that process. Now obviously we should ask the question, well hang on a second, why should we walk as Jesus did? Well, I want to tell you some of the benefits. Jesus gives us eternal life. Jesus gives us streams of living water. So in scripture it says this, John 7 verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And in John's gospel 10 verse 10, it says the thief only comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So it's not just life, there's abundant life that he's giving us. Now I know in our lives we can think like, hang on a second, it doesn't seem that I've got abundant life at the moment. Because this has happened, this has happened, this is the difficulty I'm facing. Look, we're not here to look at our problems, we're here to gaze upon Jesus. We're here to look to him, because he's the only one who can give us strength in the midst of our problems. Let's have a hand up, who's got a problem? Actually don't do that. Because we all put our hands up. They're all varying difficulties. And then we can have a competition of who's got the biggest problem. You know, no. We've all got issues that we're facing. It's life. But if we look at those things, they overwhelm us. It says in Scripture, the cares of this world. Do you remember about the seed that was planted? Some of the seed was eaten by the birds. Some fell among thorns. And it talks there when Jesus gives a description of that, of what those thorns are. They're the cares of this life. And they entangle us. And so our burdens, our problems, get on top of us. In fact, that's how he's going, oh, I'm a bit under the weather. Under the weather, the weather's always happening. What you mean is you're under a difficulty. You're going through an issue. We all have those things. It's looking to God and looking to Jesus because he has said, I'm going to give you abundant life. And you know what? In those moments, we have a right to go back to him and to say, Lord, you have promised now help me to find that abundant life. You are a source of living water. It looks like, looks like that river's just gone down to a drip. Father, I need you because you have said you will cause to flow from me rivers of living water. We have a right to question God and he has a right to help us to see what's going on. Because sometimes it's because we have allowed the cares of the world to dominate our love of him that it causes the rivers seemingly to slow down. Sometimes it's just because it's a tough time and he has promised he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And let's be honest, it's easy to say these things. But I know at times I can be here. Even on Friday night at one point we were praying in here and I just felt like I, just, I had to remind myself of that. Lord, you have promised you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me. But right now, it doesn't feel like that. We have to acknowledge the fact that's life. You know what? Oppression comes against us. The enemy wants to snatch from us this life because it is so valuable. It's so powerful. It's so wonderful. 
It's what the world needs that the enemy wants to keep it under wraps as much as he can so that it can be diminished, so it can be made to look as nothing. And he wants to do that to Christians as well because he already knows we are light carriers. It's like, you know, if we had a Geiger counter. You know what a Geiger counter does? It discovers radioactivity. And he goes, and you sort of follow the bips to get to where the radioactive source is. It's like we need one of those guns over our lives to see where the light source is. The light source is Jesus. The light source is our Father. And we want that light source to be flowing from us so that if the enemy was to point a gun like that at us, it would just be making some horrendous noise because he can see the light in us. And when he sees the light in us, let's make sure, let's try and cover that up. Because he knows how powerful it is. He knows the testimony you carry. You know that many of you here, you think like, oh yeah, God's done some good things. I don't know really what I could share with somebody. You have life. You have life living in you. That's why Jesus says, listen, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He doesn't say, oh, and one day, hopefully, you'll become that. He declares it because he has come to live within us. So if that light source has come in, it's already there. In the name of Jesus, we want to address everything that comes against that light source that so seeks to cover it, seeks to bind it, seeks to blind it from our eyes that we might know his eternal presence. Listen, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. So he comes to give us life. That's one of the benefits, one of the reasons why we're wanting to walk as Jesus walked. Another reason is because he comes to give us not just life, but eternal life. He comes to give us eternal life. That is, though we may face death, Yet we shall live. Though we die, we go to be with him. We're not going to hell. We're going to be with Jesus. Because of what we've done? No, because of what he has done. Because he has forgiven us. Because he has raised us up. So in Luke 10 verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I find eternal life? Jesus says to him, what's written in the law? He replied, well, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, all he was doing was describing God's way. This is the way to live. This is the way to find life. And he was just describing that. That's why Jesus says, you've answered correctly. You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. How can we find eternal life? Through Jesus Christ. John 17 verse 3. Now this is eternal life. Listen to this. This is eternal life. That you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's why we're keeping our eyes upon Jesus. Because eternal life is found when we keep our eyes upon him. That's why. So as we're looking to him, as we're gazing upon him, we find that we can find that life and it comes to us. There are great benefits in walking with Jesus. What should a disciple do? Well, putting it very simply, obviously, a disciple should follow Jesus. He should be doing the same things as Jesus did. He should be walking in those ways. That's what he should be doing. But Jesus himself taught us there are certain things that a disciple needs to be prepared to do. 
and so forth. It's just worth us looking at these. Luke 9, verse 23 to 24. Jesus then, again talking to a crowd, says, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. So Jesus has given an instruction to us about what we need to do. If anyone would come after me, if anybody wants to be my disciple, then there are things that we need to consider. And these are the things that we need to consider. If we want to be disciples of Jesus, then we must be willing to follow him. It says, if anyone would come after me. There must be a willingness in us to say, okay, I want to go Jesus' way. There must be a willingness within us to want to do that. Is that how, do you find your heart willing or do you find your heart resistant? Is it okay on a Sunday but not so good on a Monday morning? How is it? And let, let, Don't worry about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or Friday. Friday, the weekend's coming. Well, how's your heart then? Is it willing to follow Jesus or have you just got lost in the melee of the week? Disciples are ones whose hearts are willing. I am putting myself in the way of Jesus. I want to go the way of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. A disciple must be willing to follow him. A disciple must be willing to surrender. And what's have we got to surrender? You know, I hold my hands up, Jesus. I did it. It's more than that. What have we got to surrender? It's that we're giving ourselves. In fact, this is what we have to surrender. Self-dependence and selfish pursuits. You know that sense where you think like, Jesus is suggesting this. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're thinking like, I don't like my neighbor. So we go and do something else. That is a simple, that, that's us making a decision. I understand what you're saying, but I don't like what you're saying. So I'll do something different. Or rather, because it's not so much we don't like it, it's like, I'm not sure how to work that out. I don't know how to do that. I know you said love my neighbor, but you haven't met my neighbor. That, that's the issue. You haven't met my neighbor. So it's easy to say, but you haven't met him. Or it's like the boss at the office. It's nice to say, I need to love my neighbor, and my boss at the office is, in effect, one of my neighbors. But he's an idiot. We're not even supposed to say that. You know, but he, doesn't know, he doesn't know left or right. He can't manage whatever. Listen, you're supposed to love him. And it, the problem isn't so much you know you're supposed to love him. The problem is, I don't know where to begin. And you see, even when you come to that, when you say, I don't know where to begin, I tell you where to begin. You begin on your knees by saying, Lord, I don't know what to do with this person. That's where you begin. It's all about connection to him. The whole of our life is about connection to him. The whole of discipleship is about connection to him. The whole of walking with him is about connecting to him. It's about, we can't do it. We can't do it. But you know what? In this day and age, to turn around and say like, I can't do it. You're just one of those weak and useless people. Get out of my way. That's what the world would say. But Jesus says this. There is strength when you begin to realize, I can't do it. I need to do it only through Christ. In fact, he's the only one who can help me to do it. So this willingness to surrender is such an important part of actually being a disciple. And to give it its understanding, it's this willingness to accept that we can't do it. And that he is there to help us. He never asked you to do it all on your own. He wanted to do it with you. 
He wants to embrace you, he wants you to embrace him, to bring him in so that he is walking with you. I can't manage. So often our pride refuses to allow us to say that. I'll struggle on. Why don't you read the instruction book? No, it's okay, I'll manage on my own. It's what that we do. It's what I do, okay, I'll confess to that. I've done that many times. Perhaps Helen has said to me, why did you read the book? I don't want to read the book because I'm, I know what I'm doing. Obviously, you don't know what you're doing, but we won't go into that right now. But that's a simple picture of what God must think. He's thinking, like, I've got the instruction book. Yeah, but I, I, I don't like reading it. Listen, if you want to be a disciple, that is a follower of Jesus then it means that we need to learn the things that Jesus says. He says, if anyone would come after me, if, if, look, if you want to join me, says Jesus, then these are the things you need to do. First of all, you need to be willing to follow me. Let there be a willingness in your spirit, not a stubbornness, not a resistance. No, oh, I don't all that. You know what young children are like? They kick off at you. No, I'm not, I'm not going there, I'm not going there. And after a lot of persuasion, eventually they'll come with you. We all know what that's like. That's like we are like. In our hearts, we're like that. I know it because that's what my heart is like. I see it sometimes. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And still you go and do your own thing. That's what we do. Being a disciple is saying, Lord, I'm fed up with this. Teach me your way. Let me surrender to you. Let my self-will die down. Let that be given up, that I might not follow just selfish pursuits. And the Bible puts it in this phrase, deny yourself. That's what it says, deny yourself. So denying yourself doesn't mean I'm not going to have a donut for the next two weeks. That is a form of self-denial, but it's not what we're talking about. Okay? I may well have a donut in the next two weeks. I'm just going to break that one straight away. Let it be a Krispy Kreme as well. Uh, we'll get away from Donna. Willing to follow him, willing to surrender, willing to accept. Now, here's something. Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, you need to be willing to accept. What have we got to accept? It's accept that we need to walk down a pathway. Now, here's a, here's a tough one. So here we are. We're on life's pathway. Actually, you know what? I've just got a new job, and the pathway's feeling great. I've just got promotion. The pathway's feeling great. I've just bought a new house. The pathway's feeling great. I've just had my first child. The pathway's feeling great. My dad just died. The pathway's feeling rubbish. I've just lost my job. The pathway is useless. I could carry on. The relationship I was in. I'm now arguing every day with my wife or with my husband. And I hate it. And I'm fed up with this. And what's the purpose in this? You see, then the pathway is not so good. But when you're young and in love, the pathway is wonderful. We all love this pathway. Listen, there is a path in life. And Jesus is saying to us, listen, if you want to walk with me, then you're walking along the road, along the pathway that I'm walking along. Do you remember when he said his pathway is steep and narrow? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? The pathway is steep and it's narrow. Now, we know what that's like if we're going on a hike or something like that. The pathway gets steep or narrow. <sighs> you're getting out of breath. You're getting a bit, it feels a bit tight here. You're no longer able to stand with the people or walk with the people you had alongside you. Suddenly, you're in single file. It gets harder. 
Life gets hard. Life gets hard. Jesus is saying that we need to be willing to accept the pathway that he's taking us on. Now that's hard. But it takes this surrender. It's coming back to this thing of, listen, if he is more powerful than the sun, if he is more glorious, if he is able, he is able to do all things. Therefore, he is able to help me. And we have to constantly remind ourselves about that. Finally, it just says, Jesus says, follow me. Meaning that we just need to be ready to imitate him, to do what he says, to follow him. That's what people who are walking as Jesus need to accept. Have we accepted Jesus or are we just an onlooker? Hey, I like some of this. Or are we those who are saying, no, no, we're disciples. We're disciples of Jesus. There are hindrances to being a disciple. Uh, Jesus again spoke about these hindrances. He says in Matthew 10, 37 to 39, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that phrase, not worthy, he says, like, if you do this, you're not worthy of me. Actually, in Luke's gospel, where the writer there, Luke, is, is actually talking about the same passage, he actually says, cannot be my disciple. So if you, if you do this, you cannot be my disciple. Oh, wow. And it's hard because he's talking about loving mum and dad and things like that. Aren't we supposed to love and honor our parents? So what does all this mean? What, is, what are you talking about, a hindrance? I love my mum and dad. Does that mean it's a hindrance? He's not saying it's wrong to love your mum and dad or your brother or sister and to love them and to honour them. He's not saying that. What he is saying is this. is Who is the first love? Who takes the first place? That's what he's saying. Who takes the first position? Why? Because it says, seek first the kingdom of God. It's priorities. Where's your priority? My priority is to my husband. My priority is to my wife. That's great. We want you to love them, look after them. You want to be the best mum and dad, husband, whatever, family, boyfriend, girlfriend. You want to be the best one. But Jesus is the best one. And he needs to have the highest position. That's what he's saying. Listen, if you're going around saying, I'm a Christian, I want to do this, and I'm loving everybody, but actually their position is higher than Jesus's, then there's going to be problems. Why? Because in the end, it's the people that we love the most, we're going to serve the most, and we're going to come under their influence the most. So when they say, do this, do that, oh, even if it's wrong before God, we'd probably do it. Why? Because they are the number one. That's what he's trying to understand for us. Listen, this is a hindrance. If I'm not allowed to be number one, then there's going to be problems because you're going to end up serving something else. You're going to end up being an adherent, a follower of somebody else or some other circumstances or somebody else's persuasion over your life is going to be that much greater than mine. He's not talking about the fact that you've got to separate yourself and become this isolated individual on an island in the middle of nowhere. What he's saying is you just need to get your priorities right. And if we don't, he has said it can be a hindrance to us. Okay, let's get on. What should a disciple do? And obviously, oh, sorry, we've looked at what should a disciple do. What are some of the hindrances? Let's talk about growing as disciples. How can we grow as disciples? 
And this is a question that really needs to be on all of our lips. Whether we've been saved two minutes, two weeks, two years, two decades, it doesn't matter. We should all be saying it because we're all seeking to be disciples. And a disciple is a follower, somebody who is learning, a pupil, somebody who's growing in the knowledge and understanding of Jesus day by day. That's what a disciple is. So how do we grow and what helps us to grow? There's a few things here, four things I've got. Firstly, the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus was here on earth, that'd be fine. In fact, if Jesus was here, we'd all be going up to Jesus. I mean, if a long queue, and we'd be fighting a bit to get to the front, I know. But perhaps, perhaps we wouldn't, because we, Jesus is here, and his presence would make us all lovely. So there we are, and we've got questions, Jesus. Have anybody got any questions for Jesus? <laughs> I have. I want to understand numerous things. When his disciples were here, they had Jesus with them. And Jesus taught them and led them, took them to different circumstances, was with them. You know, he was in the boat. The storm came up. He's asleep. No, no, just he rebukes the wind and the waves. And they're, who is this guy? He's with them. He's showing them things. He's going through experiences with them. He was with them. But we don't have Jesus with us. But praise God, he said, it's good for you that I'm going away. Because if I go away, I will send you another comforter. The paraclete is in Greek. It's about the only Greek word I can remember. And he, he said, I will send you another comforter to be with you forever. It's John 16, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, which is this phrase for parakletos, which is in Greek, which means the one who comes alongside, which is the Holy Spirit. The counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus has gone, but he sent us another tutor, and this tutor is the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, you see it's saying here, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you, will teach you, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Praise God for this teacher who is with us. John 16, verse 13 to 15. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine. So there's Jesus in heaven. And all of the things that he wants to share with us, all of the knowledge and understanding, it's his. And the Holy Spirit comes and takes that and brings it down to us. So it is like Jesus is here because he has given us his Holy Spirit. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. How do we grow as disciples? We grow by growing in our relationship and our understanding of the Holy Spirit. That helps us. We need the Holy Spirit. Secondly, how do we grow as disciples? We need to read the Scriptures. The Bible, as you well know that I often say it, the Bible is the source document for the Christian. No Bible reading. Mm -mm. Problems. Problems. Why? why? Why do I have problems if I don't read the Bible? Because you don't know what God's saying. And it's not 
a dead book. It's not just a storybook. It is living and active. That means one passage that you read yesterday, hmm, you read the same passage today, and it's speaking into your situation. Suddenly, it's opening something up. Well, what's all that about? You see, it's not just an ordinary book. It's not like an This is living and active. It has life. These are the words of God that he has caused to be written down so that we may understand them. But what about all the different translations? Listen, God preserves his word. He preserves his word. Yes, I know it helps sometimes to look at a number of translations if you're particularly studying a particular verse so that you are getting the full understanding and the full meaning behind it. I accept that. But we need to read this word. In Timothy, it says this. All scripture. How much? All scripture. How much? All scripture. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We were reading the Bible on Friday night and we came to this passage. You know how you're reading it through and you think like, oh, I'm reading, I've got this bit. And then you can sort of see just across the page and you can see this list of names. And you're thinking like, I'm going to pass on right now so that the person can then deal with those list of Old Testament names that are somewhat difficult. And then you come to this debate, should we read them or not read them? And I think, yeah, I agree. Let's just skip. And then somebody says, no, 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 let's read the names. It's part of the scripture. And then you think of the scripture like this. All scripture. And you think, how can God speak to me through an unpronounceable name in the Old Testament? Well, he doesn't always speak to me about that. Because sometimes I just think, like, I don't understand. But then you do also begin to understand how each individual person that God has used or had done any connection with, he values them that much he'd have their name written down. Suddenly you start to think, hmm, okay. But you know what I mean. All scripture is God-breathed. So we can grow by... Having and walking, having the Holy Spirit with us and walking with the Holy Spirit, we grow by reading Scripture. We also grow just by being you and me. Now, what do I mean by that? As Christians, each of us is a priest of God. Now, I know we didn't, some of us, you think, am I? Am I? Because in the Scripture, it tells us 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Everybody who is saved, everybody who is walking with Jesus, you are a priest of the Most High God. And a priest has a function. A priest's job is to help other people to connect with God. Did you hear that? A priest's job is to help other people connect with God. And we're all priests. So what does that mean for us? It means that we all have a job to help other people connect with God. And part of the process of growing as disciples is that we need to acknowledge that. Now, we don't because we don't want to be too proud. We don't want to be too arrogant. We don't want to be too over the top about ourselves. But you know what? Each of us has a role of helping other people grow in their own discipleship, in their own walk with Jesus. So as disciples, we can actually help others in the work of discipling. The work of growing as a disciple, we can call discipleship. It's an action. It's what's happening. We are being discipled. We're discipling somebody else. Discipleship. In that process, we have a role to play. You might think, but I hardly know anything. Ah, but you do know Jesus. So you're already a step step in front of the person who doesn't. You're already beyond their position. You've got a place above them. But I don't know. Listen, you don't have to know. What you have to do is to be led by the Holy Spirit 
start to read scripture and start to be obedient to him. But the important thing I want to underline is every one of us, every one of us has been called to that role somehow or another. Because he has made us priests. We are a kingdom of priests. Now, it doesn't mean to say you're going to take, okay, I'm now going to be the discipleship leader of the whole Bromley Town Church. Maybe not. You're not going to take that position. But God is going to bring alongside you people. God wants to connect us with people through the turning. And in the turning, we're hoping that people who aren't saved get saved. And they're going to need people to actually stand alongside them. And what we've got to do is we've got to put up our hands. Okay, God has touched my life. God has done something in my life. I am able to help them take some steps. Oh, I don't feel ready. Listen, it's not a matter of whether we feel ready. It's a matter of what has happened to us. And you know what? Sometimes when we have responsibility, when responsibility comes to us and we take hold of it, then we suddenly start growing faster. Because, look, because well, I better make sure I'm all right. Because I've got to help them. That responsibility in itself does something to focus our attention. But the point I'm trying to make is how do we grow as disciples? We grow by being prepared to actually help others in the process of discipleship. And you know, I've only been saved for two minutes. I've been saved for 20 years. You obviously haven't got anything to teach me. Wrong. I found whenever I've had conversations of a discipleship nature, I'm learning something from the person who I'm talking to. Their experience of life, what God has done to them, how they see things, the problems that they've been through, they speak into my life. Because I notice, oh yeah, okay, I hadn't looked at it that way. Suddenly you're getting insight, wisdom, revelation from somebody. It's not about the length of time we've been Christians, it's whether we are disciples. And if we're disciples, you know what, we're all together the same. We're all together the same and we have the ability to help and to teach one another. Finally on these four points is prayer. From that point of view that actually if we want to grow as disciples, we need to connect with him. And the whole thing about prayer is about making connections and actually growing and growing up in him. I've obviously got to bring this to a close. Um, I can't remember what's happening next. I think the band are coming up. Um, I hope I got that right. So connections. Let me just finish with this. Connections. How do I connect, therefore, to discipleship in this church? Because I've announced that we're all disciples, we're all walking in that way. But there is a sense in which, let's ask a different question, how do I connect with discipleship? Firstly, coming here on a Sunday morning is connecting to discipleship because together we're seeking to walk in the way of God. So there's a sense you can come along here and that's a great starting point because we're sharing with one another. As we come together, we strengthen each other. Because you see, we are priests of the Most High God and together in our conversations, we can start to help and support one another. We can just be around one another and that in itself is an encouragement. And as we hear the songs being sung, as we're listening to the words we're singing together, as we're hearing the messages being preached, then there's something that's coming that comes of the life of God that is coming upon us that helps to strengthen us. So one of the ways that we can get connected to discipleship is obviously to come regularly to church and to come and be connected with these people. We can connect to discipleship by connecting to prayer meetings. If prayer is about connecting with God, then we need to learn how to pray. We need to learn how to connect with God. We need to learn how to go deeper with God in those connections because it's vital if we're looking for connection and to grow in discipleship, then prayer is part of that. So we can connect by coming to church on a Sunday. We can connect by coming to prayer. We can connect by joining one of our Bromley Town Church life groups. These are groups where people, they're not big groups like this. This is where people are meeting in homes. Many of you know because you attend one. But if you're new here and you don't attend one, I want to encourage you to do so. 
Why? Because in those places, what happens? You're coming together as Christians. You're coming together as priests of the Most High God. You're coming to learn from one another through different experiences. You have an opportunity to talk across a table or in a room or around a lounge. You have an opportunity to open the Bible and to talk about it and to share your experiences that you may be actively discipling and encouraging one another. That is another way you can connect to discipleship in this church. And the final one I'm going to give you today is you can connect to the turning as it comes up. Yes, the turning is a mission to see people saved across the boroughs of London, but the turning for us is that we want to see Bromley being transformed. Not just Bromley Town Centre, the borough of Bromley. And working with other churches, there are now, I think it's six or seven churches in the centre of Bromley who are working together. I think it's seven now. Who are working together and we'll be going out on the streets and we'll be meeting people and we hope that many people are going to be saved. That's what we have been praying for. But those who are saved, they need to be followed up. And therefore, what we're saying is, how do I grow as a disciple? We need to get ourselves trained. And this Thursday, 12th, Thursday the 12th, 7.30, Cornerstone, there's another training session. Kevin will mention that later as well. Come along to that. Get trained. Get ready so that you can say, I'm prepared to have a coffee with somebody and to start to help them take the first steps of discipleship that they may need to help them in this journey. Being isolated, being disconnected, causes discipleship not to happen. It can even hinder us in our walk with God. Being connected is what needs to happen. Let me just leave you with this final scripture. Hebrews 3 verses 12 and 13. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, what the writer is saying is, we need each other. We need each other. Let's come together. Let's help each other in that discipleship program. Let's help each other grow in grace. So let me encourage you today. Get connected in. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com